listeners, you're listening to Chibis Podcast, a show that celebrates women in science. My name is Vidya Narayanaswamy and I'm best known for my passion and love for science. I'm sitting down with women in science to learn more about their journey, lessons learned, helpful tips that would take you one step closer to your dream. Today, we have a very, very interesting person with us. She is a serial entrepreneur who has proven that anything is possible with hard work and heart. She's none other than Dr. Brittany Barreto. She has her PhD in genetics from Bayer's College of Medicine, where she co-founded the revolutionary dating app, Fermore, and we have chemistry. Soon, she became a reputable thought leader, VC, and startup consultant. Dr. Barreto is now a very proud co-founder and executive director of Femtech Focus, a non-profit entity that empowers the Femtech industry through increased awareness, providing resources to funders, and creating opportunities to support startups. Dr. Brittany Berto's expansive work and career has been featured in numerous publications such as Houston Business Journal, The Great Houston Partnership, and Innovation Map. She's frequently requested to consult with startups and deliver keynotes on our topics of expertise. We are very, very honored <laughs> to have you in our show today. Thank you so much for accepting our invitation and being on the show today. We welcome you to the show. I'm so happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, where would you like me to start? I have lots of stories and I have lots of pieces of me. So why don't you tell me where I should start off? From you as a graduate student. Perfect. Okay. So, well, I first fell in love with DNA and genomics actually in eighth grade. It's a funny story. In seventh grade, I took, uh, you know, geology and we learned about rocks. Apparently, I hate rocks. Like, I did not, I almost flunked that science class. And I can remember being 12-year-old Brittany saying that how much I hated science. And then the next year, I was 13, eighth grade, we learned about cellular biology, and I fell in love. And so it turns out it's just a rock issue. It's not a science <laughs> issue. Any geologists out there, my love goes out to you. I just, at 12 years old, I just couldn't do it. And so I fell in love with genetics. Um, I actually went to undergrad at Drew University, and I wanted to be a genetic counselor because I wanted to do something with genetics, but I also knew I had a lot of personality and a lot of emotion, and I thought, well, maybe this would be great for working with families and working really with patients. And um, I shadowed a genetic counselor for the day, and any listeners, if you are interested in a career, but I've never actually walked in their shoes for the day, I highly recommend it because it changed the trajectory of my career. In college, I shadowed a genetic counselor for the day and she spent her whole day telling moms that their babies were likely going to be very sick and that the moms had to make a hard choice. And I was devastated. I thought, this is literally the saddest career. (laughs) And maybe I just went on a sad day. I don't know. But I, I thought I'm way too sensitive for this. I'm emotional in a good way, but I'm also a little too (laughs) sensitive. So I was very frantic and I ran back to my undergrad advisor and I said, Oh my gosh, my career job is the worst. What am I going to do? And, um, and God bless any of y'all genetic counselors out there. It is a fantastic career. It just wasn't right for me. Right. 
and he said, why don't you do an internship in my laboratory, you know, studying Alzheimer's research? And I said, okay. Turns out I'm pretty good in the laboratory. And I said, all right, here, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go do a PhD in genetics. So I got accepted to Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. And um, Houston, Texas actually has the largest medical center in the world. A lot of people don't know that. It's called the Texas Medical Center. Mm -hmm. And so I went there to do my PhD in molecular and human genetics. Mm -hmm. And um, while there, I realized once again, it just wasn't the right fit. Like felt like I was closer to the right career for me, but it still wasn't the right fit. I um, had too much personality for the laboratory. I found it really hard to make friends, honestly, in grad school. Mm -hmm. um, when you get to that kind of level of education, I was with, you know, 10 other PhD graduate students from around the world. Mm -hmm. and the vast majority of them were like introverted and they didn't understand my jokes and uh -huh. I am like out there and I'm loud <laughs> and I'm half Portuguese so there's like this Latin part of me and you know I have tattoos and I like to dye my hair crazy colors and I just felt really out of place um and then I so I started to look around at other career options and one of them was like entrepreneurship mm -hmm. um, and I found my tribe and I'm happy to get into that but that's that's essentially the story of science Brit and then getting into startups beautiful what was the idea behind Fairmore and we have chemistry how did you come up with an idea like that so in undergrad, um, I was in a genetic seminar and that day's lesson was on DNA-based attraction. Mm -hmm. And we learned about the evolutionary principles of physical chemistry. So essentially, um, scientists have shown through decades and tons of tons of research that humans are just like other mammals and we used pheromones uh -huh. to identify who has a different immune system genes okay. than us. Uh -huh. And because the more different your immune system genes, the less likely it is that you're related and therefore it increases your rate of physical attraction to that person. And so we're learning about this and I mean the, the professors teaching it in a very scientific way, like this is just science. But I rose my hand and I said, Professor, could I make like a geneharmony.com? And he was like, that's so weird, but like, yeah, I guess you could. And you know, it, right there, again, another situation where the professor scoffed, the whole class looked, turned around and looked at me, like everyone was like, you say such weird things, you know? But on the inside, I was like, that's so cool. Like, yes. imagine, yeah. like, that, you know, like, oh man. So it's just an idea I had. I had no idea what to do with it. I was like 19 in college. I didn't know what to do with it. Fast forward, I find my tribe in grad school, right, with these other entrepreneurial people, and they are asking me, what kind of startup ideas do you have? What ideas do you have? What company are you going to start? And I, and I said, well, I only have one crazy idea from back in college, um, and it's a DNA-based dating app. And they said, that's not crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. You should do it. Uh -huh. And so I was actually, like, all on the fence, like, I don't know, it, me, I'm a scientist. Like, I don't know if I can lead a company, you know? And, um, and so if any of you listeners, like, 
are on the fence about if you're the right person, you probably are. You probably are, especially if you're a woman. You're thinking you're not, but you are the right person. So anyways, um, honestly, the thing that kicked me in the butt to do it was the 2016 presidential election. I was so upset by the results, decided to be a woman who had impact on the world. (laughs) And um, I said, okay, let's try to make impact. And so December 2016, I formed Faramore. Fairmore turned into the first nationwide DNA-based dating app. So we launched the app like two years later after development and testing, and uh, we had downloads in every state in the United States, and I fundraised about $1.3 million from investors in Texas. During that time, I finished my PhD, which I do not recommend. It was a horrible, horrible year, 2017, (laughs) starting a company and finishing a PhD. That was rough, but I did it. Um, and it, it was really, really awesome experience. I think it's just the fact that you have to surround yourself with the right people. Yes. What's the story behind Femtech? How did you get into Femtech? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll continue the saga of my life for <laughs> listeners. So, I start Fairmore, I raise this money, make an app, I launch it, we have a 10-person team, I have an amazing co-founder, like, it's going really great. March of 2019, um, we got kicked off the App Store, and that was because uh, Apple, every year they update their policies for the App Store, and this year they decided to add a new rule that said there's a certain types of apps that are not allowed to ask for your DNA, and dating was on the list, and so we got kicked off the App Store, my next round of funding fell through because if you're not on the ios app store like you're nothing you know and so my investors pulled out um we had maybe like fifty thousand dollars left in the bank Mm -hmm. and um we did a hail mary and we made we have chemistry.com so we have chemistry.com is a way for couples to discover their scientific love language Essentially, it's just a way to use the same science we had, Mm -hmm. but not on the app store. (laughs) And so we made a website for couples because singles don't use websites for dating, but couples might use it for like, you know, like relationship stuff. So that's where we had chemistry came. It was a Hail Mary. We had 90 days to make it work. It actually worked relatively well in terms of like people's interests, but not enough to like get more funding. And so uh, I ended up closing the company in June 2019. It was really rough. I mean, it was, I had an identity crisis because I was Faramore lady. So if Faramore's dead, what does that mean about me? You know? Um, and I just was wondering what the hell I was doing because now I'm two years out of grad school. Like I did do postdoc. Like what, are, <laughs> what am I doing, you know? Um, but I got a job as a venture capitalist next. So a venture capitalist is uh, essentially a institutionalized investor for startups. So I was essentially on the other side of the table from where I was sitting the last two years fundraising. And I was hired by a fund based out of Austin, Texas. They hired me to launch their Houston branch. And I loved it. I loved it. I loved it because I love mentoring people. I love giving back. I love, you know, just like having feelings with your mentee in terms of like, having compassion for their experience, having excitement for their successes as if they're their own, your own. And so I loved being on that side of the table where I could work with lots of founders and, and even have the opportunity to invest in some of them. Um, the only issue 
<laughs> was that I was based in Houston, Texas, and so a lot of the companies, the majority of the companies I saw were oil and gas, or um. battery, or even outer space ones. You'd think outer space would be really fun, but uh -huh. it's actually like types of metal yeah, uh. for Mars. You know, and I'm like, no, okay. <laughs> okay. you know? Um, and so I, uh, I was like, this is really great, but the company, like, products are not that exciting. I discovered Femtech. So Femtech is an industry, and it just, it's an industry for innovating women's health and wellness. Um, so it does not have to be about female founders. A lot of people think it's only female founders. The majority of our founders are women because it's usually women solving their own problems that they know personally about. Um, but I'm actually very bullish on more men should be involved because women's health is not women's health is everyone's health yeah right so that's why i mentioned care too um and so i just i loved femtech because it's not about the future of women's health it's about the present inequalities in women's health it's not about that wouldn't this be nice if nice if women could yada yada it's more like Women are dying at an increased rate because no one's paying attention to this. No one is investing in this. No one is researching this. I mean, pharmaceutical companies only designate 4% of their budget for women's health research. Um, women weren't included in clinical trials till 1993. The anatomy of the clitoris wasn't discovered till 1998. I mean, endless shocking facts I can give you. I have a whole Google sheet that I call, it's titled Shocking Facts. <laughs> and it just has all of these things on it that I'm just like, this is what I, oh my God. So um, that's what Femtech is. I wanted to work in Femtech. Uh, and so in 2019, I started to like Google like Femtech conference, Femtech meetup, Femtech funds. And I realized that there was nothing. There was nothing. Yep. And I said, oh boy. Oh no, <laughs> that's what I'm gonna do, isn't it? <laughs> and so the first thing, I also was looking for a podcast to listen to, couldn't find one. So I said, all right, well, that's the first thing I can start at least is a podcast. I can do Zoom and interview people, yep. put it on Spotify, mm -hmm. see if anyone likes it. Mm -hmm. And within six months, we launched it in April, 2020. So it's not even a year old. And within like six months, we had like 20,000 listeners in 88 Whoa. countries. I know, I know, and that is not because I'm some crazy marketer, it's because I was talking about topics that people were like st looking for, actively looking for, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, that's the story of what Femtech is. Beautiful, beautiful. We learned a lot from just that story. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, and I'm like, can someone please write my book? <laughs> you should, you should consider. <laughs> what do you look for in startups in order to invest or like in order to invest one thing you always look for is a fantastic management team so you know i was a great person for pheromone because i was a geneticist mm -hmm. and so that's a unique quality of a startup founder uh, of a dna based blank whatever fill in the blank right so i had this like unique credential of understanding the genetics behind it mm -hmm. um and so how are you qualified but also like um, why are you the right person in terms of your demographic so for me when I started Faramore I was a 22 year old single woman you know I was my market <laughs> you know like I understand I wasn't some like old white man who'd never used a dating app and been married for 50 years right like 
that's not who I want leading my dating app. I want the person who is the customer. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that does fly in the face of femtech investing, though, because if it's a male founder, mm-hmm. men, men founding femtech companies actually really, really struggle to fundraise because investors can't understand yeah. why they care that much, yeah. which I actually have a huge issue with because that shows you how deep our gender bias is, yes. is that our society doesn't even, no. doesn't believe men when they say they care about women because we have such a deep rooted, like, no, 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 no men don't care no. about yeah. women, you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and they do. There are some that really do. Yes. And so, um, so not necessarily that like men need to have menopause or periods in order to care. <laughs> but what I do want is for them to say, I am an endocrinologist and mm-hmm. hormones are the study of my of my life. Maybe I don't have the hormone. I'm doing a, you know, a test for, for mm-hmm. you know, pregnancy, but I'm, I'm a hormone fanatic, right? Mm-hmm. So that qualifies them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was uh, their wife is the one with endometriosis or mm-hmm. it's their uh, young girl who has an issue with um, you know, their daughter has an issue with uh, uh, different, I don't know, issues around her period, you know, like, so he has some kind of personal connection that way. So I look for a great, really strong management team. Um, one, and also ones that are coachable. Mm-hmm. The thing I hate the most is when I tell it, give founders suggestions and then they say like, they just outright disagree with me um, or, and you can disagree with me totally. But if you disagree, if we have a 30 minute conversation and I give you 10 suggestions and you disagree with all 10, there's a problem. There is a problem. I actually would love it if one or two you kind of gave said, hey, I can see why you think Uh that. Mm -hmm. Let me give you a little bit more data points, you know, and tell you why. I love that. Uh But I do sometimes talk with people that are like, no, I'm doing everything right. I'm like, you're wasting my time, (laughs) you know, like. Uh, you need to be humble. I look for um, large market sizes. So, you know, um, menopause is a $600 billion market. That's huge market uh-huh. size. Uh-huh. Uh, fertility, $36 billion. Like, it's crazy big market. So um, I look for big market size. I look for good business models. So um, business models are essentially who's going to pay for it. Yeah. Um, and the thing about femtech, there's some, there's some interesting things. So, uh, and your listeners may find this, you know, interesting. If you want more of these types of facts, check out Femtech Focus. We talk about it all the time. But uh, for example, there has never been a real solution for menopause. And so menopause company, like startups right now are actually struggling because these, you know, 55 year old women have never paid. So we're actually uh, teaching consumers an activity, Mm -hmm. behavior Mm -hmm. that they want to do, but there's still this like barrier of like, they don't, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's as if you were teaching a woman to buy tampons for the first time, right? It's like a new transition that they have to get over that hump and then they're going to get stuck and they're Mm going to love it and they're going to stay. But um, so that's interesting. Another business model around Femtech is um, very popular right now is targeting uh, human resource departments, so HR departments of large Fortune 500 companies who pay for the product for their female employees. Great. So great example here is uh, Milk Stork. So Uh Milk Stork is um, a startup where a woman, if she's breastfeeding and she has to travel, Uh she can 
go on the website, Milk Stork, and she puts in the address of the hotel or wherever she's going, and they will send her these milk storage bags and a uh, FedEx box with like high-tech patented ice packs or whatever in it. Wow. And so when the woman travels, she doesn't have to pump and then keep a cooler with her. Yeah. She pumps and at the lobby of the hotel she's at, they have the box for her and she just in it overnight ships the milk back to her baby right Mm -hmm. and so women are not paying for this the companies they work for are paying for this because women say hey verizon Mm -hmm. do you want me to travel the country close deals for you this is what i need as a woman you owe it to me to pay cover costs and verizon knows or whatever fortune 500 company says thinks to themselves it's much more worth covering the cost of shipping her breast milk uh-huh. via milk uh-huh. than not having her work for us. Yeah. Right? And so if you are working in women's health, think about how can you argue that your product increases your uh, an employee's efficiency um, because employers will pay for your product then. Mm. So that's very, very exciting and very interesting because also women, we shouldn't have to bear the burden of paying for all of this. We're already bearing the burden of milking our breasts. <laughs> <laughs> should pay for it you know like so those are some interesting things i look for team market size business model um and i also look for like how much have you accomplished and some people get caught up in i can't accomplish anything unless i have money which i think is the wrong way to think about it because what i'm looking for is how much did you accomplish without money without investment because what that shows me is that you are a hustler and you're creative Mm -hmm. and I also want um, you to find people that are inspired by what you're working on and they do it pro bono you know you find you find that friend who's an app developer you know who's like passionate and doesn't mind staying up late with you and coding and you know I want to see where your hustle's at so those are some of the things that I look for very helpful thank you so much for sharing that Tell me about a project that you're truly proud of that you worked with. Oh gosh, um, I mean honestly, this sounds maybe like <laughs> not surprising and not creative, but Femtech Focus. Yes. I'm really just so proud because um, I still, honestly, I still don't exactly know what it is. I feel like I'm still figuring out what the hell we're doing. Mm-hmm. All I know is that I am passionate to wake up every day and talk about women's health with really, really interesting people. There's thousands of people around the world that love to hear about it. Uh I feel like I'm inspiring new femtech founders, so people who had never heard about it before, now they did, now they're in it. Or I feel the um, gratitude of existing femtech people saying, thank God someone is on the microphone talking about this, because I've been trying to for 10 years. and so I, I love this project of Femtech Focus because it's truly a work in progress. There's there's not like a model for me to replicate necessarily. Um, and it's, uh, it's a total activist move. I am not talking about, you know, improving human health for Mars, a futuristic, like only affluent white people are going to benefit. You like... Like, I feel really, really good about, I'm talking about black women's maternal mortality rate. I am talking about Latinas, you know, heart disease. I am talking, so it's just like, I feel like I'm um, 
I'm just a daily activist, but yet I can still be a scientist throughout it, which is like such a cool like partnership there because um, as I bring in the science, people uh, see I'm not just some like angry woman with a like poster outside of yep. you know, the yep. government. Yep. I'm a scientist yeah. just breaking down the facts, yeah. you know, and when you yeah. break down the facts, it's really hard to argue with it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. that That's so cool. That's so cool. Well... On to our next question. What is your greatest fear and how do you manage fear? Oh, oh boy. Oh man, that's a good one. Um, one of my biggest fears is, um, honestly, is that uh, having people not like me, to be honest. I have a fear of like, um, just shaking the boat or like just being um and not people's favorite person and I that is a defective character that I I truly try to work on because you cannot be everyone's friend right um you can't and I don't know what it is but I I think it has to do with because I'm a sensitive woman who I have empathy and I have emotion and I want just want everyone to succeed and so that's been something that I it's been a struggle forever and it is still a work in progress I'm so much better but I I have this fear of um you know uh I guess it's loneliness too I'm an extrovert and I've been feeling it extra extra much this past year in the pandemic because I'm like I said a single woman and so there is a I, I also, I think I'm going to look back on 2020 and say, of course I started a podcast. I was lonely. <laughs> I made a career out of wanting to talk to people because I was by myself. <laughs> so actually, it's really interesting to see how our fears can actually be, uh, you know, d- direct us in a way that results in something beautiful like Femtech Focus. Wow. I agree with you uh, on the extrovert part and the loneliness part because I felt it too. But you have found a way to focus that energy onto something that's beautiful and helping a lot of people that you, you should be really, really, really proud of. Yes. Okay, so what projects are you currently working on? Well, I'm excited about we have our 100th episode is dropping on March 22nd. Super, super excited for that. And so we're planning a one-day summit to celebrate our 100th episode. And I am really, really excited for that. We have some really important topics we're going to be covering. Like, um, and this is the thing I love about Femtech is that it's not, um, you know, you you are targeting listeners that are in STEM, right? Right. STEM is just genetics or biology, right? It's all these different types of, you know, uh, studies. I love Femtech. We need all of you. We need everybody. <laughs> so some of the topics we're going to be having uh, on as panels are, you know, Femtech and Act of Congress, because what we need is more grant money and we need more policy yes. around uh, being able to say the word vagina on Facebook. Currently, it's blocked. Yeah. Um, but you can say erectile or erection. Um, and yeah. And so you can't say sexual wellness, but you can say like erection. It's crazy. It's so crazy. Yeah. So we need we need policymakers and we need grant writers. We need NIH representatives. We need NSF people saying we need more money. Yes. Um, we're going to be having uh, 
a woman, she's the president of the Fibroid Foundation. She just got a multi-million dollar grant passed for fibroid research. And the senator who was the lead on the bill was Kamala Harris. I read that. So it was very, very exciting. exciting. So those are the types of panelists we're going to okay. be having. People who've okay. taken bills through, the, worked with Kamala Harris, took, worked cool. through getting funding for women. So. Mm-hmm. Um, a panel on the on like so poli sci. We're gonna have a, a panel for on like corporations. So I'm gonna try to get like um, the Verizons of the world to come and talk about like how do you target us to pay for stuff? Uh-huh. What do, what are the values we care about? Uh-huh. So that's really great for anyone interested in business development or HR or employee retention stuff. I'm also really excited. We are going to be doing a what we I call it a reverse pitch. Okay. So oftentimes in startups you see pitch competitions right it's a founder pitching to investors mm-hmm. i think that we do that way too much and that there it creates a power dynamic of here are the all-knowing judgy investors okay and here are the founders begging for money on stage oh. and sometimes we need to change it and so we are doing um i've done it a few times like in houston or different industries this is the first time in femtech i'm doing it and i've never seen anyone else do it but it's a femtech reverse pitch where we're going to have all of the femtech investors of all of the big firms actually pitching to the founders about what kind of companies they're looking for i love and I, it it's so fun it's so fun and um one of the reasons the, one of the ways that I like to do it is I like to do like a little performance around it because that's who I am. I'm very colorful and lots of performing. Um, and so I always like to make sure we're timing the investors. And if they go over their time, I say, like, you know, and I make it fun. And it just like relaxes everybody, yeah. you know, and the founders are like, oh, my God, I messed up <laughs> like I did when I pitched last week, you know, or whatever. Or And the investors also realize this is hard. Oh my gosh, we should give the founders a little bit more, like, clap, you know, like, yes. this is hard work to pitch. And so it just totally shifts the power dynamics. And um, so I'm, those are what I'm excited about. March 22nd, 100th day episode celebration. Perfect. I'll be in. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) If you had one piece of advice to someone who's just starting up, what would that be? Um, I feel like scientists, it's always never enough. We're like, we haven't discovered enough. We haven't published enough. We haven't, you know, done enough uh, postdocs or, you know, and it's uh, unfortunately science, the field of, you know, scientific research uh, is a very humbling one where you're constantly being told, like, you don't know, you don't know enough, you don't know. Um, and so it's like very, like, sometimes you can get real hard on yourself. Like, I don't even know if I'm qualified, you know? Um, and so what I want to tell, what my biggest, like, message that has helped me a lot that I'd love your listeners to hear is you are pre-approved. So you don't need to do anything in order to get approval. You are pre-approved, just like the credit card things you get in the mail. You, they don't know you, and yet you are pre-approved. I always live by this idea of like, well, if I check off these boxes, if I finish this thing, if I graduate within this many years, if if my name's on that many papers, I'll get approval from, I don't, God, no, I don't know what, my PI, my mother, my, you know, universe, I don't know what, but there was always just this sense of like, once I do these things, and as a scientist, I'm very protocol oriented, right? So I'm like, check, 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 yeah, check. Yeah. And so 
Uh, I actually have a little sign on my desk that says you are pre-approved. Like you don't have to do anything. You are already approved. And again, from what? I don't know. I don't care. Just that inner sense of peace. I'm pre-approved. I love you so much. It's just, I have no words. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go into our lightning round. Awesome. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Here we go. What is the first thing you would do as the vice president of United States of America? Make a femtech committee. Cool, beautiful. Scientist or entrepreneur? Entrepreneur. Favorite femtech product? Materna Medical. Oh, cool. Do you want me to tell, you, you, me to tell you what it is? Yes. <laughs> So our listeners. Okay, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the dynamics of the fiber. My favorite femtech innovation right now is Materna Medical. Mm-hmm. It is shifting the paradigm that it's uh, normal for women to rip from their vagina to their anus while giving vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just unfortunately something that doctors and medicine and healthcare system says like, oh, well, that's just normal. That's just what happens. But um, Materna Medical is essentially this med device. It's a, it's kind of like a rod that helps assist the vagina as it opens to open in order for it to not rip while the baby comes out. And um, that has long-term consequences because if you, if you actually rip your pelvic floor there, you are gonna experience things like incontinence. One in three women are incontinent. They're peeing themselves on a daily basis, um, which is crazy, to, that's just accepted. There's fecal incontinence, there's pelvic organ prolapse. And so um, us just accepting that as a normal part of a woman's life is, is just unacceptable in 2021. So uh, I'm excited for wow. that. That's, that's beautiful. Cool. That's cool. Okay. What do you first notice about someone when you meet them? Uh, their smile and optimism. If they're a negative person or a positive person. Cool. Favorite fashion trend of all times? <laughs> um, currently, my favorite fashion trend is yoga pants and fuzzy socks. Because that's what I've been living in for the last year. And it's amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> If you could time travel, where would you go? I think we'd go to the future. So I'd say like 2050. Just to see all the cool tech. Yeah, yeah just not, not too far where I'm like, I can't understand what's happening, mm-hmm. but far enough that I'm like, okay, all right. So that worked out, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, yes. What is an important life lesson for someone to learn? Don't take yourself too seriously. I love it. What is something that you can't do? I can't do a cartwheel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you could teach one subject in school, what would it be? I feel like we should have women's health as a yes. subject, honestly. Yeah. I knew you would say that. <laughs> <laughs> what are three words to describe living in a mountain? Peaceful, majestic, calm. What is one thing you still have from your childhood? I have some really adorable pictures of myself um, that I I like to keep around because it reminds me of like the child in me. Sometimes I take myself too seriously. And so, um, or I think like life's hard or I'm like, well, all adulting stress. And so I actually like to keep little pictures of like five-year-old Brit, like on my desk because she's just like living her little life, you know? Yes. And so 
So, uh, I actually, that's, I think, the thing I like the most to keep from my childhood. Cool. That brings us to the end of our lightning round. Is there anything else you want to share with all listeners? Well, Fountain Tech needs you. We need you. You don't need to be the founder. You don't need to be the entrepreneur. You don't need to be the one pitching on stage, I promise you. There is so many jobs in uh, Femtech that we need you for. There are lab positions at startups that are well-funded. There are um, you know, consulting positions with startups that are being founded by women who aren't scientists. And we need that you know, knowledge base. Um, if you are in poli-sci, we need you to be lobbying government. If you are in uh, you know, media or communications and marketing, we need you to be writing blogs and doing podcasts. Um, so we need all the people in Femtech. So that's that's my final, like, regardless of what you're studying now, what you think you want to be, uh, Femtech could really use you. Thank you so much for all the tips, tricks, advice, and thank you so much for spending all this time with us. Uh, we had lots of fun talking to you. We learned a lot from you. <laughs> I learned a lot from you. <laughs> so listeners, please go visit femtechfocus.org and join the virtual community. Thank you so much for being in our podcast today and we wish you the best. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen to more of our podcast episodes, please visit gwiz.org or gwiz podcast. Till I meet you next time with another amazing episode. This is Vidya Swami signing off.